Emergency services. Please, you gotta help me. There's this weird guy. Ma'am. Please. Ma'am, call us when you're dead. What the fuck? Welcome back, callers, to another episode of Call Us When You're Dead. I'm Keith. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we are going to be covering the Amityville house. Whoa. I know so much about this house for a house that I've never actually seen in person. <laughs> I think everybody in the United States can say that they know so much about this house that they've never actually seen. Right, right. But before we dive into it... What's going on? Uh, Well, we are currently in the process of a remodel to the house, and that has caused all sorts of uh, scheduling issues, I would <laughs> like to say. I mean, that's why this is getting released so much later on a Tuesday than normal. Typically, we would have this recorded and then out by midnight last night, but it is early in the morning and here we are recording i've only gotten a few hours of sleep because we've been remodeling <laughs> and you you wrote this episode last night because it's easier for you to do that while i'm doing the remodeling stuff and oh yeah so it's been a thing and then we we do need to talk about i had said last week that you would not be here for next week's episode but that is not true. It will be episode number six that you won't be here for, not episode five. So you have one more episode with us, and then you won't be here the following week. Correct. But we do have a guest host in place. We do have a guest host, and I am very excited to record with her. You know who else I'm excited for? Who's that? Our listeners and those shout-outs. Shout-outs! We have Tyler W. Corey M. And Sandra A. Thank you guys so much for being callers. We would not be able to do this without you. So far this season, we have covered three episodes of people claiming they were possessed or the devil made them do it. This time around, we are going to be doing the same thing with another little twist. We are putting to question if a house itself can be possessed. We are about to dive into Amityville Horror House. The topic of over 20 movies and a number of various books and documentaries. So as Keith mentioned earlier, we're sure a majority of the callers out there have heard of or watched something about this house. However, those are movies and more than likely had the Hollywood perspective on them to sell more tickets. Yeah, I would say probably there there may not be as much as what Hollywood like to put on it, but I still 100% believe that there's something up with this house. Well, I mean, they threw Ryan Reynolds in the house. I mean, I'll, yes, house, I'll <laughs> come to you. We all know Ryan Reynolds is your future husband <laughs> and or baby daddy. So Ryan Reynolds, if you're out there, my husband would like to marry you. True story, true story. But what we are going to do is give you the facts. So let's head back to November 13th, 1974, to this property in Amityville, New York, where it all began. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the time machine at all times. Call us when your dad cannot be held responsible for any lost limbs. Here, we are going to meet the infamous 23-year-old Robert DeFeo Jr. On the early morning of November 13th, he used a 35 caliber Merlin lever action rifle to slaughter his entire family. All of them were killed in their beds and all victims were found face down. 
When we say the entire family, we mean the entire family. He shot both parents twice and all four siblings once. Ronald and Louise were both 43 years old. Dawn was 18, Allison was 13, Mark was 12, and John was only 9 years old at the time of their deaths. Do you find it weird that they were all face down? Yes, I do. Because to me, we've had really weird like sounds that we've heard in the neighborhood here, and I've gotten out of bed because like we heard we heard a gunshot down the road one time. And I was like, ooh, somebody just got shot. (laughs) And you were like, oh, no, it's nothing, it's nothing. And then it turned out, yeah, there was an accidental firing of a gun. Now, nobody got hurt in that situation, but there had been an accident that had happened. And I had said to you, no, I just heard a gunshot. Like, I knew that was a gunshot. Right, right. And we will be covering some aspects of that. And you would feel like, as a whole family, you would be like, Oh, what the hell was that? So all of them are face down? That's just weird to me. Oh, I definitely definitely agree there. It is a little, little suspicious. During the trial, Robert would have several different accounts and variations on the events and what truly happened that night. So we are going to cover some of those stories right now. Robert would claim that he killed his family in self-defense because he heard their voices plotting against him or a voice telling him that they were plotting against him. Either way, it was Robert hearing voices and more than likely putting him on a straight path to the insanity defense. Okay, so my question is, do you think that he was having like a paranoid delusion when he says that? I think with something that's coming up in a little bit, that there's a very good possibility of that. Okay. Number two. He would also claim that he that it was a mafia hit. Robert's father's uncle was a copio or captain in one of the organized crime families in New York. Yeah, but I, I, I don't buy that fact. So, the reason behind that is, I guess, uh, Robert's like main girl, who was his wife, maybe, or maybe not at the time, but okay. he eventually became his wife. Her brother or something had the mafia connection as well, and that's kind of how Robert's father's uncle was also brought into it. But I think more so it's just because it was one of the main five, it was like five main crime families in New York, and it was uh, his uncle was part of one of them. Well, my question is, is why would you order a whole hit on a family member, like your family? I, I feel like the mafia is not notorious for killing their own family, are they? Uh, no, I don't think so, but I guess you really never know. True. <laughs> Number three, he also claimed that Dawn, his sister, had killed everyone, and that he only shot Dawn accidentally in a scuffle over the rifle after Robert had found out what she'd done. But again, that story doesn't make sense, because everybody is laying down. So if you've accidentally shot somebody her gunshot wound is going to be different than everybody else's. Exactly, exactly. But again, these are all stories that Robert would say happened. And And these are stories that he's told over the years, right? Yes, that is correct. See, so I just feel like maybe he's trying to justify it in his own brain. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Or could it be possible that he doesn't really have any memory of it and just has these, like, 
weird dreams about it. Yeah, that's also a very good possibility. So number four, Robert would also tell someone that he and Don, along with two other friends, committed the murders. So first it was just Don yeah, or his uncle. Great uncle, yeah. Right. Well, for, I guess first he said, oh, I heard voices. And then it was his great uncle. And now he, then he just said, well, it was just Don. And now he's saying it was me and Don and two other people. I really think that <laughs> he has like a blank memory of something and is just making up wild stories. Yeah, I, I can see that. But so I'm trying to get inside this man's head. So my theory is when he initially told the I'm hearing voices, everyone would look at him like he's fucking nuts. And and he didn't want that reputation. He did not want to be the crazy guy. You know, it's like one of the reasons why people don't tell their stories of UFOs or or Bigfoot sightings or other, we'll say, not normal supernatural things. They don't want to be looked at as the crazy person. So he's now changing the story. So he's not the fucking crazy guy. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. But at the same time, I when you have like a mind blank or like a time gap that you don't remember, you purposely, I think, start to try to put in memories there and things like that. And so I'm going with that. He didn't know. Okay. Okay. Well, so there are some of the various accounts of Robert's stories. When it came down to it, many of his accounts have been discredited and should be taken with a grain of salt as he was a known heroin and LSD user. Right. Which we do know is one of the things that caused the issues between him and his dad. Correct. And in the end, Robert was found guilty and that he acted alone. He was charged with six counts of second-degree murder and sentenced to 25 years for each one of them. And I believe he died in 2016, if I recall correctly. Yeah, he did. What's so crazy, though, about this, before we get going farther into it, because I don't know if you talk about it or not, is he kills the whole family, and then he goes to the bar, and he's like, my whole family has been shot and killed. Yes, and, but then they come back, and, like, the investigators get there. He's, like, stashed the gun somewhere and, like, cleaned himself up a little bit. It's just weird. Yeah, he, like, took a bath and everything. Yeah. So, was it heroin or was it the LSD at the time? Or is there just something <laughs> else going on? I mean, for those actions, I would say it's more so the LSD. Because the heroin's more of a downer. The LSD could be the potential more of an upper. Right. But something that... I mean, I really didn't highlight too much, but I did say that he was found guilty and that it was determined he acted alone. All right. So just remember that. Okay. So we've talked about some, uh, just a few of the actual facts of the case. And the only reason why we're doing it this way is because this is such a widely known thing. We're not going to dive down deep into the whole Lutz family or the DeFeo family again, because been done a million times right we're just kind of going over the basic facts most people should know the premise and concept of it all right however what we didn't talk about though is some of the weird things that kind of happen in the house uh yeah we we will cover it in a little while over the some weird things that happened in the house Mm -hmm. because those weird things happens with the lutz family rather than the defeo family right can we also talk about the fact that the family had a sign out front that said high hopes? 
Yeah, the I want to say it was, I don't remember if it was the DeFeo or the Lutz family, but that's what they renamed this cottage house as High Hopes. Yeah, and it's just kind of devastating to think like, oh, they had High Hopes for everything, and now there's like all of these tragedies that just <laughs> happen. Right, right. We also want to point out a couple of interesting facts and discussion topics that are often missed and overlooked when talking about the Amityville horror. Could these things support the suggestion that the house is actually possessed or some evil spirit at work? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, it was it was determined that Robert DeFeo acted alone. And the ballistics show that the same weapon was used in each killing. The weapon, as mentioned before, a thirty-five caliber Marlin lever action rifle. As far as noise goes, as you were hinting on earlier, yeah, it puts out a staggering 140 decibels each time it's fired. Do you know what that is, like, comparably, so we can let the callers know? For sure. So, to put that in perspective, it's like a jet taking off nearby. Oh, yeah. See, you would hear a jet. Right. And a a chainsaw is 110. And each time you go up, it's like a multiple of, like, 10. Kind of like the habanero, the pepper scale. The hot sauce. Yeah. So, it's not like, okay, from 130 to 131, it's just a little bit. It's like times 10. Right. So it's a shit ton louder. Another comparison was it was like a front row seat at a rock concert. Okay. So, yeah. Don't think that's a rock concert I want to attend. <laughs> right. And and he shot eight times in four different rooms, spanning two floors of the house, yet everybody was found in bed. Right. And we need to note, too, that in the movies, it makes it look as if the Amityville house is in the middle of nowhere. Right, right. And that's not the case. It is not the case. There's actually houses quite close to one another, like in your typical suburban neighborhood, where you maybe have very few feet in between you before you get to the next house. Right. And none of these neighbors, none of them, have heard anything. The dog that the neighbor has that barks at anything and everything is not barking. And the cops have asked. So, to me, that just says something weird. Right, right. Coming in at number two, that leads to the possibility of drugging. When the toxicology report came back on the victims, however, they're all clean. Right, so that could explain why they were all still face down, as they were drugged and passed out, and they couldn't respond to these loud bangs bangs for each shot. But then the toxicology comes back and says... There's nothing. There's no drugs. There's no gas leak. Like, you would be able to tell in a toxicology report, like, oh, there's been some kind of gas leak or something that causes them to become incapacitated. Right. And that brings us to our third and final one of what about a silencer or a suppressor at the end of the rifle? And the answer is nope. For something like that to be attached, there would have to be some sort of a modification to the rifle itself. After inspection of the weapon... Everything was stock and basic, and there was no, like, tape markings around the barrel to say he, like, did a makeshift one. So, no silencer, no suppressor. I just, I don't know. Every time I think about this, it gives me the chills because I think something else was at play. Something else had to have been at play for this to have happened. For sure. And and the other question is, is but why? Like, why this family? Yeah, yeah. 
Now we know that like Ron DeFeo's dad was not like the best person, but that doesn't mean like, oh, something's going to come after you because it doesn't matter on either end if you're good or bad. Right. You know, but there was, and, and we did not include it, but I know that there was talks of like Ron DeFeo at one point getting into uh some really weird like spiritualism stuff that was more of an occult and i'm not going to use like the satanic panic stuff but more of like he was practicing something real dark so are you sure it was ronda fail because i did i didn't see that but i did see that george lutz was into some occult stuff yeah and that's why everybody thought it was weird that george lutz was also into it and was there a possibility that George Lutz was about ready to do the same thing to his whole family? That's a good question. So, you know me. I'm the skeptic of this season. You are. <laughs> and I and I follow the facts and the evidence and what it actually truly shows. And the fact that he managed to fire this gun eight times, putting out 140 decibels each shot. Mm. Everyone's still in bed face down. Nobody made a run for it. Right, and I've seen crime scene photos of this, and they look like they are peacefully sleeping. Right. They don't look like they were stirred. They don't look like anything. Right. And and I know it may sound crazy, but could the house have kept it quiet? I, I 100% think so. <laughs> like, what actually happened on the night of November 13th, 1974? I don't think we will ever fully fully know what happened that night but i 100 percent am a firm believer that ronda feo had somebody else something else i guess is the better way of putting that <laughs> help him now let's fast forward a year to december 1975 the house was purchased by george and kathy lutz for about eighty thousand dollars or four hundred thousand dollars in today's money they would end up experiencing supernatural events that would cause them and their three kids to pick up and leave 28, data, 28 days later, leaving everything behind. Yeah, they were in such a rush. They even left, like, food in the kitchen. They, they, they like, took nothing. Yeah, and some have called George and Kathy Lutz liars. George and Kathy were not rich. We need to just let that be known right now. A lot of people, there's been a lot of, like, oh, well, they just, they did it for the fame. They didn't get fame from this until years later, I want to say, where they started actually making money off of it. I want to say is a few years later. Yeah, but supposedly they did, uh, I want to say it was George to talk to a writer. Well, of course you're going to talk to a writer while you're in it. Well, yeah, wouldn't you, if you got some <laughs> weird shit going on in your house, be like, hey, let's write this shit down. Right, right, yeah. I feel like people kind of villainize them for something that, if it was us, we'd be like, this is weird. Yep, yep. And let's maybe talk about it or write it down. For sure, for sure. And if it gets turned, if you change it into a different bit of a story, these are just the events that are happening to us in this house, and it's just weird. Right. You know, because you really can't control what a writer does. That's true. You know, if they make it spookier or different, they may have been there and experienced something with them. But now, instead of the things that we're about ready to talk about, well, now it's tenfold worse. Right. And and something that callers need to realize is when you see at the beginning of a film or anything that says that it's based on true events. It's loosely based. Yeah. It doesn't say 
how based. Just the fact that it is the house in the, the city on that street with the same number, that means they can use that. This is based on true events. And yeah. they can like pretty much put whatever they want because they did cover their basis of this is based on true events. Just to this aspect, they won't normally say, oh, this is 10% true or this is 95% true. So a good point to that is everybody believes that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Ed Gein are the same person. And that Ed Gein used to run around with a chainsaw. No. (laughs) The only reason why they get it based on a true story in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies is because... They were both in Texas and both serial killers. Right. And the skin face thing. Right. But I don't know if any of the callers have actually seen Ed Gein. Well, that is a scrawny ass old man. He ain't running around with a damn chainsaw. Yeah, especially over his head. (laughs) All right. So let's go on to covering some of those supernatural events that were reported by George and Kathy Lutz in those short 28 days. The first said that doors were being ripped from their hinges, cabinet slamming shut, and green slime would occasionally ooze from the ceilings. Those are all things that I think, well, okay, so one of those things I think you would like, the cabinets slamming shut. Yeah, man, at least their cabinets are shut. Okay, so I have a bit of a problem. I don't always close the cabinets. No, you, you don't. There wasn't an always. that You could have just stopped after you don't. Oh. <laughs> I'm like a little tornado when it comes through opening things, and then they just stay open constantly. Right. We need a ghost up in this house to help close the cabinets. Right. Just don't (laughs) rip our doors off the hinges. Right, right. You better not be green slime. Really green. You couldn't do another, like, blue. Blue would be a fun color. Purple glitter. No, damn (laughs) unicorn. (laughs) Number two. George would mysteriously wake up at 3.15 a.m. almost every day while in the house. Remember, 3.15 is the same time in the morning that Robert began executing his family. Right. And we also need to note, too, that George and Kathy do not know that this is the house that the DeFeos were murdered in until, I think it's like, a week or two. Right, after they moved in. It was not a... Yeah, it's not... They didn't know why that there was all this stuff left in the house. And they just thought they were... They, they actually kind of thought they got a good break. Right, they thought they were getting the deal of the century of this house. And another note, their children are sleeping on the same beds. The actual beds. That the DeFeo kids were that sleeping on. the DeFeo on. children were shot and killed in. That's weird. And you would just think, okay, I see a hole here in this mattress, (laughs) and there's a weird color. I don't want this. And they slept in a... I would never sleep in a murder bed or a murder couch. I just, no, no thank you. I'll sleep on the floor. (laughs) Speaking of the Lutz children, that's our number three. The children's beds would slam up and down on the floor. But George couldn't do anything because he claimed an invisible force would paralyze him. Uh, yeah, unique. Yeah, I would say it's weird because now there's like a force that's paralyzing them. There's things that are happening. Is that force the same thing that helped also silence the gunfire? Right. That that was that was my little thing in my head trying to connect it, I guess. 
I know that there, and I am not even going to talk too much about this. I know that there are, there is like a demon after doing that first bit of research that deals with taking out sound. And so I'm just wondering, home dude, did you play with something <laughs> in that room downstairs? Because you were so weird. Right. Yeah. Did, did you summon like a real demon? Yeah. <laughs> and now it can't get the hell out because you're not there to let it go home? Right. I mean, why the hell not? That's what I'm going with. One of the Lutz children confirmed that these hauntings were happening. But he, they also said that their stepfather, George, did like to exaggerate. Yeah, so with every lie, there is usually a kernel of truth. Yeah, typically, you don't get a lot of people that are, like, confirming things like this without there being some kind of truth to it. Right, because otherwise, just it's a far-fetched whole lot of craziness to go on in those 28 days to make up. And during that time, also, you know, the famous Ed and Lorraine Warren checked it out, too, and right. they said it was fishy. Right, and then... There was a whole other reporter that went in, and you and I watched a documentary about this, I want to say on Tubi, where it was, like, investigating the Amityville house. And it was his daughter at this point that was now talking because he's passed. But she was like, no, my dad would come home terrified because there was something going on in that house. Because all of these events happen in 28 days, but then they come back and investigate after those 28 days because George and Kathy are like, hey, all of this weird shit is happening and we know that you guys are into all of this weird stuff, so please come help us. And for just so many people, the the Lutzes, the kids, uh, the Warrens, the other paranormal investigator team, uh, a priest. News all, reporters. News reporters all saying there was something going on there. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people to get involved in. A big hoax and yeah. a big lie. And it's too many people almost to get involved into a lie and everybody keep their story straight. Right. And I don't know if you've ever seen the photo, but there's a photo of a little boy peeking around the banister. Yeah, yeah. And they you compare that to the youngest DeFeo child, they are they're exact. Like they've even taken like the <laughs> photo, the painting that we do need to talk about that painting really quick. There was a painting of the whole DeFeo family that was still hanging up when the Lutzes moved in, and it was real lifelike. I would have removed that <laughs> in a heartbeat. The, the number one thing that does truly creep me out is lifelike paintings. I think they're weird. Right. And so I just always feel like those eyes are watching you. doesn't matter which way you go, which way you turn. <laughs> you just got a family of eyes watching you. <laughs> you would have been taken off my wall. I'm sorry. Now, like, what's weird is other artwork. I love it. But that weird lifelike artwork that you get. Mm -mm, no, you cannot be here in my home. Right. You are probably the demon. But so anyways, yeah, they, they compare that photo with the photo of the DeFeo family. And it is 100% the youngest son. Right, yeah. And just another spookiness thing, I guess. Yeah. So there you guys have it. That is the, like, I guess the facts of the Amityville Horror House, or just the Amityville House, or High Hopes. Yeah. So was Robert DeFeo possessed? Uh, is, is the house itself possessed? 
are are there evil spirits at work here, or are there just a whole lot of explainable coincidences with a tragic murder of a family and a blockbuster movie deal? I guess I will answer those in that order. We'll we'll both answer them, just to kind of give our opinions on them, and then callers let us know. So, you first said, was Robert DeFeo possessed? I think there's a possibility that if he wasn't possessed, that there was something working in tandem with him and maybe making him forget the actions that he was doing, but maybe not fully possessing him because it was using the house. And I think that both can be true when you ask, are it evil spirits here? And, you know, coinciding with the tragic murder of a family and blockbuster movie deals, I think you can have all of that be true all at the same time. And it doesn't make certain parts of it not any less garbagey or, on the other hand, less true. Gotcha, gotcha. And what about you? I mean, because you are really the skeptic in all of this. Right, yeah, I'm the skeptic. That's me. Hi. Hmm. Hi. <laughs> so, out of our first uh, three cases, uh, what, the first one I was like, uh, yeah, viable. Yeah. Second, third one. Not so much. Not even a little bit. Now, as far as this one goes, this one actually has me, like, stuck. Because I'm I'm to the facts. And the fact that Robert DeFeo was able to get eight shots off, again, at 140 decibels. Right. Loud as fuck. Nobody heard anything. None of the other family members ran. It, it just blows my mind. If the dog farts too loud, I'm getting up like, what was that? Right, right. And you're saying, pow, pop, eight times? No one runs? I believe that, the, the, more so, that the house itself has something going on with it. And then, then you know, the lies have the kernel of truth with everything that the Lutz was saying, uh, the Lutz family was saying. A lot of it sounds fucking nuts. But you think that there could be some truths behind it, and especially with still the fact that with neighbors so close and no one heard those shots i think there with the lutz there is a kernel of truth to those um supernatural things so i have to ask you what from the lutz's side of the story what do you think was actually happening and what do you think was the exaggeration i think it was all actually happening as far as doors being ripped off of the hinges it could have been an old house, and they could have been old and not put together that nice, and things aren't made with the quality that they were made now. Right. Maybe it just fell. Yeah. Same with the cabinet slamming shut. It's a big cottage house. It's in New York. Windy as fuck. Yeah. They had a window crack. You could get cabinets slamming shut. Mm-hmm. Green, green slime from the ceiling. I... Don't think it's green slime. I would more so maybe say it could have been like a mold. And after snow fell on it and and melted, it turned into a liquidy substance and got into some cracks and it looked like it was oozing. Okay. I do find it very weird that he is, George wakes up at 3.15 in the morning every day. Right. And, And other people confirm that he's waking up at that time. Even neighbors confirm that he's up at that time. Because they see lights on in the house at 3.15. and Because, like, somebody's coming home from work or going to work. And they see at, like, 3.15, there's a right. light on. 
in the house. And I didn't go too far into George's background, though, but if he was one of those workers that was an early first shift worker and his body was in habit of waking up at 3.15 or 3 o'clock every day, you know, that could be easily explainable. But still, since he was in that house and that's when the murder happens... It's suspicious. Right. It's so specific of a time, too. Right. For something that you, that they didn't know about prior to moving in. Right. But, yeah, I would say I would more so lean towards this house has something weird going on with it. Right. And we do need to note, too, that there have been other people that have lived and do currently live in the Amityville house. Please don't go and bug them. This is, this really is a home. People do live there still. Right. They have made lots of changes to the house to get people to stop. They've even changed the address. It's not even listed anymore because of the amount of issues that they have with this. Like, leave these people alone. They're just trying to live their life. Yeah, so it passed on through like four or five more sets of hands of ownership. Mm -hmm. But ever since the Lutz has left, after those 20 days, there has been no more reported... Incidences. Incidences. But at the same time... There has not been another family, I think, that closely resembled the DeFeos that moved in. Right. And so that leads to the question of, if a family, say, stepdad and mom, because we need to talk about that the DeFeo dad is not Ronald's real dad. I thought he was not his real dad. His dad's name is Ronald DeFeo Sr. Okay. Well, who is... Okay, I'm getting George confused then. George yeah. is the stepdad to... George Lutz is okay. a stepdad to one of the children or two of the children. See, for some reason, I thought that that was the same thing with Ron, but you're all right. You know, but what if there was another family? We'll just scratch all of that and we'll just say, what if another family moved in that was mom, dad, three to four kids? Would it cause the same thing to happen again? I mean, like, that are typically around the same age as <laughs> what those children were when it all happened. Is that what the connection is? Is that what needs to happen? Yeah, who knows? Anybody want to volunteer? <laughs> I want to know. I don't want you to murder. Like, I don't want you to die. I don't want anybody to get murdered. Right, right. But I would like to know. If I've seen pictures of that house on the inside. It was ugly. Why would you want that house? Oh, no. They re- it got major facelift. It's quite beautiful now. Oh, I mean, like, prior to that. Oh, yeah. No, prior to when all this shit was going on. It, no, no, it was a very ugly house. Ugly house. Ugly, <laughs> ugly house. We kind of talked about a mental health issue, possibly. So we are going to give you out the number for um, the National Hotline for Mental Health Crisis and Suicide Prevention. So if you or anybody that you know is having an issue with that, you can contact them. And that number is 988 Once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. Also, don't forget to follow us on the socials, facebook.com slash callusdead. Follow us on TikTok at callusdead, where you can see some fun videos of us, or better yet, the kitty, the sugar gladders, Emma and Regina, or of course, our fur babies, Lola and Bailey. Or you can email us at callusdead at yahoo.com. To tell us what you thought about the case. Possession supernatural? Who knows? Would you be willing to live in the Amityville house? Right. Ask some questions, suggest some cases or seasons, and don't forget to send us a message if you're wanting us to give a special shout out to someone special for you. Yeah, yep. But until then, remember to stay strong. Do everything with love. Know there is always hope. And if you forget, you can always... 
Call us when you're dead. Number two, that leads... Oh my gosh, let me re-say that. <laughs> Let's fast forward to the year... Oh my gosh. 